and where we're going is near the east fork of the pigeon. You can see clothes and stuff strewn all around. Typically, you're still looking at about 10 to 12 feet below. The water line was well up. If you can see on this side, was well above that truck on this side. So we're talking probably about 25 or 30 feet. I am Peter Constantian. I'm the pastor of Long's United Methodist Church and Crusoe United Methodist Church. And I'm the facilitator of the Canton Missional Network. It was really Tuesday afternoon when we started getting all of the emergency notifications on our phones and I was checking the weather pretty regularly. We had had rain over the past week. My name is Victoria Fox. I am a resident of Canton, North Carolina. It had been raining all day. By the middle of the day, um, we were getting every bit of the water runoff from the surrounding streets. My name is Christina Smith, and I am an alder woman in the town of Canton. It got to a point where you could tell the urgency in some of the communications from town staff and county officials. And as the day grew on into early afternoon, it became really clear that there was imminent danger in the area. There was actually police tape across the bottom of my hill. The street essentially almost turned into a river at one cross point. Tony Cope, captain with the Haywood County Sheriff's Office. I've lived here all my life and uh, I've, been, uh, I've been on the Sheriff's Office for 23 years and I've never seen anything uh, happen as fast as that did. My name is Michelle Lowe and I am one of the owners of Southern Porch with my husband, Nathan. We are Canton residents. I've actually lived here my whole life. So actually I was uh, in the middle of getting my hair done um, at a salon in Dillsboro and she had just gotten some color on my hair and I had gotten a uh, phone call from my daughter's school saying, please don't panic, but I just wanted to let you know that uh, your kids are on the bus and it has been stranded in water and we are sending a fire and rescue to go get them and luckily my kids were okay but it was quite some time before I could get them so of course that's nerve-wracking for any parent. And it was terrifying. I mean you could smell everything from propane to gas to you just would see debris going through and there were pieces of cement just moved. And these are massive chunks of cement, like as big as my body. My name is Greg Christopher, and I'm the sheriff of Haywood County. I got a call from my wife, actually, uh, because I live in the Bethel community at noon. And she told me that uh, water was starting to come up into our basement of our new home. So uh, I, started, uh, I started digging a ditch actually around my house with my shovel uh, to uh, try to get the water to, uh, to, to leave from where it was at right there in front of our garage door. As I noticed the water continued uh, to, to, or the, the rain continued so hard that I went back inside, I changed clothes because I'd gotten wet. And I told my wife, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go back to the office. I'm going to stay here in Bethel just in case that this river does get, get large. My name is Zeb Smathers, the mayor of Canton. On the day of the flood, uh, for the most part of the day, uh, there was an understanding that we were going to be experiencing heavy rain, some possible flooding, but none of us were prepared for what I have classified as a flash flood from hell.
About 3.30 that day, there was a retaining wall that collapsed on one of our main roads. At that point, I began to realize that the, the game was changing. By about 4.30 in the afternoon, my creek was flooding and coming into the yard, and I had two foot of water in my basement. The river was extremely high and um, uh, just a, a chocolate, a milk chocolate brown color and just oscillating waves and lots of debris floating down already. The bridge was shaking. I could feel the vibration as the water uh, pushed its way underneath the bridge. So I left my residence, went down to the river, saw what, uh, what I knew was going to cause trouble, and I immediately got on the radio and started calling deputies to come to Bethel. And uh, that was, uh, that, that was uh, really the start of what uh, ended up being a very long night for us. We were doing water rescues out of this mobile home park up here on the left. One that sticks out in my mind of a, a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 13-year-old that were trying to get to the roof of the house. You can see the water lines are to the top of the green on this. At this point, the river had basically divided Kent. You couldn't get from one bank to the other. And on the way back through, I called Dr. Hamlet, Ralph, and Alderman and friend. And, and I said, where are you? And he's, I mean, his, his daughter and him were still in the home. He says, well, you know, this is not going, you know, this can't be getting that bad. I said, Ralph, you, you've got to go. I said, I'm going to park my Jeep, and I'm going to come get you. I'm Dr. Ralph Hamlet. I'm an alderman for the town of Canton. I recall hearing a voice, and that voice belonged to Zeb Smithers. I remember Zeb coming through the water, and it was waist high. I was able to wade through the water, get him and his daughter out. He was there doing what he did as a man. Forget the title of mayor. As a fellow human being, helping my daughter and my wife and my, 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 myself to safety. But he didn't stop there. And then I asked Ralph, I said, is there anyone else? And said, our neighbor is still in there. After he got us to safety, the first words, is there anybody else? And I said, there, there, there's a young lady and the house next door to mine. And before I could say anything, he was going back through the water, going to the home next door. So I waded through even deeper water to her home, pounded on the door. Uh, she finally opened. The water was going into her house. She, she was upstairs. She didn't want to leave uh, because of her cats. And again, I won't use the language, but I said, you know, I, I'm sure they'll be fine. You have to go. He took her, and he was going to lead her through the water, but uh, her, her legs couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make it through, so he picked her up, and he slung her over his back. And so here's the mayor of Canton, my friend, helping this young woman to safety as we watched what was on his mind was saving lives, our lives. He put us in his car, and he said, 
where can I take you? And you know, at that point in time, you realize you're homeless. You have nowhere to go. I went at one point over to my sister's house where the, when she had been evacuated and the water was at her doorstep. We had spent the last several weeks mourning the loss of her husband, uh, Jonathan Georgestad, who was a, played a major role in the community. And, and we were in mourning and watching this house they loved so much. I remember the smell of gasoline and, and or kerosene. You know, we had seen you know, big kerosene tanks that had been sitting behind people's house, knocked over and floated down the river. And all of that stuff had just poured out into the river or onto the ground on the banks, and uh, the, the air was thick with it. I started noticing the odor of petroleum, and I knew right then that we was going to have problems. Um, it, it smelled like rain, like chlorine, like sewage, and mud, and it, not normal mud, but red clay mud smell, which is very distinct. It smelled like gravel and, and rocks, um, and, and it, it smelled like death. I actually started seeing these green peppers as they were uh, traveling literally in the water and there is fields that is on each side of the road on 276 that I knew produced quite a few uh, green peppers. Well, I, I, I did see, I think, one or two green peppers in, in the water. I, I learned about later how they all end up, ended up in Canton. I have seen green peppers. I, you know, I've seen them all over Canton. It was very confusing as to why I was seeing so many green peppers in the beginning. First time I saw one of the green peppers was probably about 11 o'clock that evening. The water had flooded all the way to our town hall, police and fire, uh, permanently damaging all of those town facilities. And, and which is, you know, these are located relatively in town. A pretty good distance from the river, but they were flooded. And they were flooded in 2004. When I saw the peppers, I immediately thought of my dad back in the 90s. Uh, we lived in Bethel. My dad was a farmer, like that's what he did for a living. I remember my dad like almost having a heart attack because we lost everything. He lost every crop that he had in Bethel. Like we literally had to rebuild our lives. It was our family's only source of income. And I know that that's very similar for a lot of these farmers. And I mean, truly my heart aches. For them. When I think about seeing peppers and zucchinis in the pool in the town of Canton, I what really kind of hurts my heart is thinking about people where those gardens were what they used to put up food for fall, winter. And these are families that they grow their own food. Like this was what they would can for winter. We need to always have a good working relationship with other people in our communities. Uh, if you're in law enforcement, you need to know who the fire departments are. If you're in the fire departments, you need to know who, are, who your emergency management folks are. Uh, what uh, helped us in this flood is the fact that we have all worked together before. We have planned uh, events like this 
uh, for years and years. It's because the relationship that we have with each other and our community being as strong as it is that people come out and they will help even in a time that uh, that they should be doing something else maybe for their family they're putting other people ahead of them and uh, what a blessing it is to live in a place like Haywood County that does that. Well it is devastation and uh, once you you get out and get a minute to ride around and take a look at, at the at the situation and you see all these homes destroyed and people's lives turned upside down and just, uh, just total devastation for something to happen so quick. You know, at the end of the day, you look at it and it looks dramatic, but hey, hey at the end of the day, don't don't worry about the visual side of it. What bothers me worse than anything is just the humanity side of it and these people that don't now have anything. That night, there were stories we, we had from our first responders. The, the night of, we were taking people to temporary shelter and Finding, trying to find hotel rooms in the middle of tourist season, which is incredibly difficult, and literally all they had were the clothes on their back, and that's still all they have. This, for us, is not normal. Hurricanes and tropical storms for us are not normal. Now is it going to become the norm? Potentially. And with climate change, which I do believe in, we have to figure out how to build and how to sustain our community to be more resilient to these terrors. And that's what I'm calling it. Like, this is terrifying. I, you know, I think where we start is, you know, once the, the rebuilding is finished, um, we need to make investments in our infrastructure. We need to make sure our, bro- our roads and our bridges, that they're in good shape so they're not getting washed out every time we get a massive storm that comes through. It, the, the biggest thing that we can do moving forward is take climate change seriously. The reality is these storms are going to continue to get worse and get more furious and come faster. We have to take climate change seriously. And until we do, we have to realize that this is only going to continue to get worse. And what is this madness that affects this river that I once knew as peaceful? It's the insanity of us as humans. We poison the environment. We eat the climate. And then we deny it and say, this is natural. This is, this is what would occur. This is not what occurs to turn the image of a beautiful river, peaceful, into this hateful thing. And the, the hateful thing is in our minds. If there is anger there in the river, it's saying, don't do this. You know, I try to sit down and comprehend the loss that people are experiencing right now. I, I almost feel like as a pastor and as a faith leader, you know, it's my responsibility to make time to grieve and to contemplate the loss. And we've just experienced so much that it's hard to keep up with it. Um, God is incomprehensible. And there are so many truisms that could be said to explain away the problem of human suffering. The one that that rings most true for me as a Christian is that God doesn't save us from suffering, but through suffering. 
uh, through the suffering of Jesus Christ. And I have seen God at work in this community with people who are suffering and, um, and bringing people together to support them uh, through it. First off, um, you don't put any idea off the table to rebuild and recover. I mean, you look at the money, uh, but you see what can we do to mitigate future disasters. I remember in 2004, we were hit by two 500-year hurricanes. So I thought we were good for a few more years. We made it 17. We we care about our community. We care about the people that live in our community. Uh, and And when you see... Canton come back and you see Crusoe come back, you know, I, I want people to know that it was us. It was the people that are living here in this community. And, uh, and, and again, that it's a, a testament to our resolve and the fact that we aren't going to let anything stop us from doing what's right and doing what we need to do for our neighbors. The damage and destruction and death of this flood was met with a greater force of compassion, humanity, uh, togetherness, cooperation, and that's what's powered us through. It is tragic that it takes tragedies to bring out the best in people. But it shouldn't be that way. It should be a sense of togetherness in the absence of tragedy, where we can disagree with each other, but we're not disagreeable. And, and once you see that, um, it's, it, it's hard to turn away from that and not want to do better and to mend fences and build a better community because after going through something like this, if you're not committed to that and you want to return to the division and the discourse, you're making that call. We don't have to be that way. We can be better. Yes, we can be better. We can do better in our communities. We do not have to be destined to be destructive.